0: Hello, and welcome again to Comic Con Source. Tonight we'll be doing a very special uh, movie talk about Spider Man No Way Home. Usually we wouldn't do these movie play by plays anymore because it felt like we we're getting too far from our mission statement, but uh, this movie did a lot of things right, so it's sort of like we're breaking that sort of unspoken rule. So here we are, you, of course, are my co host, J.D. from Saskatoon.
1: Good evening.
0: Also with us is Red Ink.
2: Spider Man hit me. <laughs>
0: Did he hit you in the feels, Red? Mm. So, Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, Doing impressively well. Like, the third best opening of all time, apparently. Um, Even with COVID. Um, It is getting rave reviews. Um, Now, I, I don't want to be the damper in things, but I have to just say this movie was... Better than okay, but it wasn't, oh my god, orgasm. But there are moments in it that are fucking amazing. And I have to give it that credit. But again, it's um, like with the Spider-Man movies, you know, I have like a tear system in my head. Like in my tear system, like Spider-Man 2 from Raimi, Spider-Man 1 from Raimi. um, Nobody wants to
2: hear your tear system, nerd.
0: But my point is, is this is better than the amazing movies in Spider-Man 3. But that's my point. Um, now, what do you guys think just generally of No Way Home, uh, Red?
2: I thought it was a good movie. I enjoyed it. Uh, there are some things that really disappointed me, me about it and some things that I liked. Like, We'll get into it later on. Yes. But like I said, there's something... That really fucking killed the whole movie for me. It killed all my joy and happiness in the whole fucking movie. And to me, it was pointless. It was unneeded. Okay.
0: Um, JT, general feelings?
2: Uh, I
1: really enjoyed it as well. There's a couple of things I was hoping for that I didn't get that I thought you think we would finally get here. Uh, It's my second favorite out of the Holland trilogy. Cause homecoming is still my favorite out of these three. And uh, yeah, I think all around it was pretty well done. I mean, fan service galore and callbacks a plenty, but that didn't really bother me. None. I a couple of them. I really liked. I mean, there was a couple when, when I saw it in the theaters, like the entire theater kind of erupted in a little bit of applause a couple of times, which is really cool
0: my theater exploded like I could not hear for fucking 30 seconds at a time because yeah. everyone was screaming. And there was one part where I missed a key detail because because some dumbass in front of me was screaming shit. And I, I couldn't understand something. I actually had to rewatch a clip of it on YouTube. Like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, Red was right. I missed that. Um, but general feelings... Um, you know, this is, we're getting to the point where, you know, beyond this point, there are be dragons. Um, so anyone who doesn't want to listen to spoilers, just be aware. Um, just overall, I think all three of us say this is a recommended to watch. Correct. Oh yeah. All right, cool. Mm-hmm. Now spoilers. Um, you have been warned. Willem Dafoe steals every fucking scene he's in.
1: Cause it's Willem fucking Dafoe.
0: And, uh, Alfred Molina and Willem Dafoe playing off each other is some of the best villainous magic I've seen in a long time. Yeah. And the only thing that could make it better was if they had Michael Keaton's vulture in the same room and all three of them just sort of playing off each other, that would have been fucking magic.
1: But. that would that would be some star power right i do have a theory of what they're going to do with the spider-man movies going forward but once we get past the film and talk about the future towards the end i'll bring that up no uh like i said agreed like even uh like jamie fox brought it like how they you know he looks they he looks different you know and everything and he's like well you know new world new power and all that i just love the fact that it's kind of hinted at in the greater context of the movie maybe maybe i'll just give a brief synopsis just so we don't do the whole movie from start to end like we are one to do in the past so it's the third movie spider-man's dealing with the repercussions of mysterio doxing him so at once he finds out that you know him being Spider-Man has kind of screwed things up for MJ and Ned. He goes to Dr. Strange. They cast this spell, which Peter can't keep his mouth shut during. So it ends up weakening the fabric of reality and starts drawing in villains and the worst kept secret in Marvel history, other Spider-Men like into the Marvel cinematic universe. And by the end of it, Peter has finally learned the lesson of with great power, there must always also come great responsibility after a horrific loss, and has Strange cast the spell one more time, but now everyone just forgets Peter Parker. Spider-Man still exists in this world, but no one really knows Peter. And we go off, and now he's, you know, the old Parker luck running true to form, and it's the Spider-Man that, more or less, what we know from the comics. Uh, But with the whole interdimensional thing, and talking about, you know, where in the timeline some of these villains came from, like, a lot of people were saying, well, they're all brought here from the moment of death. Cause you get that from the trailers. And I think, and they say it in the film and a lot of people argue against this. I think it's still the, they're brought here from the moment they find out that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. now as to go back to Jamie Foxx, as far as him knowing that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, but that whole gag about him thinking he was black. I mean, Electro's energy, you can't destroy energy. So it's, he probably, you know, uh, reformed down the line and fought andrew garfield again and somehow remade himself so he looked like suave buff jamie fox and not the old comb over well he actually actually says
0: he remembers the final battle in asm2 he was he was describing it
2: like a lot of people it's one of the things that i've heard people constantly bitch about is well there's a there's a flaw in the movie. Uh, Jimmy Fox, uh, Electro, never discovered that he was Peter Parker. Yeah, he did. He, ne- he never looked at the camera and go, and went, I know Peter Parker is now Spider-Man. And then went back to his business. He never fucking did anything like that. But guess what? You know Beavis? Yeah. Like from Beavis and Butthead? Yes. But was currently the fucking... Green Goblin? Green, Green Goblin? Goober. Yeah. What was he calling Spider-Man? He wasn't calling him Spider-Man. He was calling him Peter. Yeah. I kind of
1: forgot about that. I haven't seen the amazing movies in a while.
2: Yeah. So that's why, like, the the problem was the spell is anyone who knows Peter Parker is Spider-Man. It does not say that they have to know who Peter Parker is.
0: Yes, that you are
2: correct. So, Jamie Foxx, like Electro knows Peter Parker's Spider-Man. He doesn't know who Peter Parker is, though. That's, yeah. That's a good it's point. It's like uh, that moment in the Justice League Unlimited where Lex Luthor and the Flash have switched bodies. and oh, Lex yeah. Luthor takes off his mask, and he's like, I don't know who the fuck this is.
1: Yeah. So, I li- the other... Uh, yep. li-
0: go ahead, JT. You go, Ben. Okay, well, what I was trying to say is... Uh, is I think the movie is extremely well constructed, and I think that uh, I'm, I'm just really surprised that they brought back maybe not the actual physical performances of every character because obviously Lizard and uh, and Sandman were not actually on on the sound stages. They were just lent their vocal likenesses, and uh, and they were just
2: mainly CGI assets. Um, but the Sandman for sure was the fucking dude because when he reverts back to human, he looks 20 years older. He, he does not look like the same Sandman.
1: Mm. He kind of looked like that in Spider-Man 3, but, well,
0: and, and what, my, my point uh, I said when I saw in that In Spider-Man
2: is... 3, he was cl- clearly on fucking roids. He was like the size of Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and in this movie, he wasn't. He was skinny and old.
0: And yeah. the, the other thing I want to bring up is... Uh... Is I really think that this is the first of the of the MCU Spider-Man trilogy that has Spider-Man doing Spider you know dealing with primarily Spider-Man things, not uh, Tony Stark things or Avengers things, and I think that that is a nice and welcome change. And the one thing that really that was really interesting to me is that was a thought I had immediately after saying it, and then like. I went on the fucking YouTube and there's like five other people who said that. I'm like like either I tapped into some sort of zeitgeist or or it's that apparent because that was my biggest complaint about the other of the home trilogies is it's like the fallout of of Tony Stark, the fallout of Avengers, the fallout of of, of Endgame. It, it's not Spider-Man specific stories. A Spider-Man dealing with a Spider-Man villain and only that. Um so it's nice to get that departure. And, again, uh, this movie is worth the cost of the ticket just to watch Alfred Molina and Willem Dafoe just as Doc Ock and Green Goblin sniping at each other because they know each other. That, that That's established in the movies. They know each other. They're both they're both fellow scientists. You know, I'm something of a scientist myself. Best <laughs>
1: and, moment in the movie for me. And
0: uh, and you, the, just, just the amount of professional shade they threw at each other was just hilarious to me. Um, Yeah. And it just does not cannot be emphasized enough. um, Willem Dafoe without the Power Rangers helmet, but with that torn up tattered hoodie and some goggles. My God, that is fucking Green Goblin.
1: That's the thing, something that always bothered me all the way back from like you know, 2002 with the original was his face, he already looks like a goddamn (laughs) goblin. Like, Uh, how dare you cover that mug up, sir? Oh, they made a fully
0: animatronic uh, Green Goblin face, and they tested it. It actually looks like the front of the truck from that uh, Stephen King movie. But uh,
1: that's my, my favorite is that classic, you know, purple tunic scaly arms you know riding around in that janky ass looking glider (laughs) but no what i loved is they they made him the goblin with you know again without the make i thought at best he was going to come back for the glider and take like the eyepieces and use that as like kind of a like a goggles or something like that but just the way he moves and i was kind of reminded of willem Dafoe's performance in the original boondock saints movie where you know, with his character there, uh, Agent Schmecker or Schmeckler, I forget what his name is, but just the way he moved kind of, you know, gracefully and what that. And he had this weird kind of bob and weave when he was the goblin versus him kind of tightening up a lot when he was Norman. That I think was a real subtle thing in his performance. And just that voice, like you know, that's the best thing about his performance in the original movie is that voice, you know, where he goes from Norman to Goblin, all that. And again, like we said, Molina, there's and it's just that's how I see Doc Ock in my head, like when I read the comics and I see Doc Ock, like I imagine, I hear Molina's voice and just the way he holds himself, you know, no matter whether he's being Doc or Otto, it was some of the best parts. And even with the uh, other performers like Jamie Foxx's electro like once he goes from blue to yellow after absorbing like, you know, you know, the the neutron flow or whatever is different I in this universe with the electricity. And he's even when he reforms the human, he's like, Can we can we not just stand around and pretend that I'm not bare ass naked? Like they give him <laughs> like some humorous moments which really goes back to his strengths because how he started, you know, stand-up comedian working on in living color before you know, he's still got those troughs. You know, they gave him a little bit, you know. Uh,
0: again, what's again, the sniping with uh, Jamie Foxx's Electro with the Lizard. Yeah. The fact that, you know, like, oh, yeah, they both did work for Oscorp. They would know each other. And, yeah. you know, and Lizard even says, last time I saw you, Max, you had a bad comb over and a big gap in your teeth. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, and that's one of the things that, like, I do have some love for the amazing films you know there there's there's a lot in there that i like there's a lot more that just didn't work for me and his you know max dylan in that is like why did the first of all jamie fox is a very handsome man so why would you clown him up like that if for no other reason that yes an electrical engineer working for oscar would have to be a completely complete basket case like couldn't just be like some normal dude who's being <coughs> clowned on by life. I n- never really liked that, but you get uh, re- bring back Rizifon's as Doctor Connors, you know, doing some mocap. I read not a lot of it, and you know, the voice work in Thomas Hayden Church as Flint Marco Sandman. Even the uh, cameo in the credits by Tom Hardy and Venom, which I've actually had. You know, an argument was like, there's no way he should have been brought in according to the spell. And I was telling my friend, it's like, no, it's they're all brought in from the moment they found out that Peter is Spider-Man. So at the end of the one of the end credit scenes at the end of Let There Be Carnage, where Venom says, you know, the symbiotes in universes. So, you know, he's connecting to the symbiotes from like, let's say, Toby's universe whatever you know they they have this interdimensional wi-fi so the moment that venom gave eddie that knowledge that's how he got sucked in but instead of being drawn to new york and finding out what's going on he stayed in that mexican bar and just got shit faced for a couple of days which is probably what i would do in that situation
0: that that's what we call a waste because because let there be cards post credit scene was a teaser get everyone excited and
1: a, and no, he just he just stayed in the yeah, bar. Yeah, No, it's I, I I don't disagree with that. The it's a waste. The first
2: one the first teaser was Catherine Kennedy saying, Oh, Venom's in the Marvel Universe. The second one was Kevin Feige going, Nope, fuck that shit. He's going right back yeah. to where he came yeah. from. <laughs> And that
1: goes towards uh, Like I was saying with the vulture, you know, like when you brought him up there, Ben, is I think Sony, because whatever the deal is going forward, you know, I think with the end of this movie, and it's kind of a soft reboot for Tom and Spider-Man, it wouldn't be that hard to kind of do something like the old school Marvel comics where, you know, Daredevil's swinging through New York and he waves at Spidey as he's swinging the other way. Like, you can still do their Spider-Verse stuff, and still have it like firmly in their Spidey universe with Venom and Morbius. And you can use, you know, the vulture in that cameo, you know, it's like every other Marvel comic, just because the X mansion got blown up this week, doesn't mean the Avengers are going to come down from New York to check that shit out. It's just, they're in the same neighborhood and they just don't always run in the same circle. So you could do something like that, but yeah, it get back on this. It's yeah, it was a wasted thing. Uh, it's still cool because I love Tom Hardy playing the thing with two heads in his dual role of Eddie and Venom. It was fun for me. The uh, I love the snarkiness of Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange, especially that whole thing where he's like Scooby-Doo this shit and then MJ steps up and just, you know, for a... A high school grad talking shit to the former Sorcerer Supreme, which is another moment of comedy for me where he's like, oh, you only got that because I was on snooze for five years, and Wong's just like, shut up.
0: Now, JT, I do, I, I hate the your bubble about this, but uh, but uh, Hell's Kitchen and Queens are separated by, uh, by the East River.
1: What the hell are you talking about?
0: When you said you wanted okay. to see daredevil waved to spidey in the
1: it's like he doesn't just stay in hell's kitchen ben
2: jt and during itchy
1: and scratch <laughs> oh god okay stop stop okay yeah I'm i'm pretty sure the the baxter building is in New York, so by your logic, Ben, there's no way they would have come to Hell's Kitchen just to see Daredevil, I mean Matt Murdock, which is the other cameo in this movie that I absolutely loved, and there was not a moment of that that was flawed in any way, shape, or form. That
0: is, that is true. I love the fact that they that the same moment that uh, Tom Holland put his hand up because of Spire Sense to catch the brick, you know, Matt Murdock's hand was already
1: there. He's like, what kind of lawyer are you? I'm a really good lawyer. <laughs> yes. Now, and that's something else that, because, you know, Spider-Man and that revelation of Hawkeye in the same week. We've got Vincent D'Onofrio, Kingpin, and Charlie Cox, Daredevil, in the Marvel Universe. This does not automatically lump in the Netflix series with the Marvel. You
2: might be able to do that, but... It doesn't automatically lump in the Marvel or the Netflix series because... They sort of revealed that MJ is kind of a proxy to fucking what's her face? Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones.
1: Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> she got that anti- her name's
2: her name is Michelle Jones.
1: Well, Michelle Jones Watson, she's like I just used Jones.
0: Yeah, that that's kind of super obvious. I mean, if it feels like they're sort of clearing the clearing the playing field for For, as you said, JT, the Spider-Man we know and love. and
2: Yeah. uh, Go ahead, Red. They're clearing the playing field of the MCU. Because the new Spider-Man movies are all going to be Sony-made. They're not going to... Marvel has nothing to do with them. They can reference the MCU and all that shit. That's the deal. Spider-Man can show up in in their movies. But the Spider-Man movies are all Sony from here on it. Yeah.
1: And, I mean, it's going to be a case-by-case basis again. I mean, if there's something big that's going to happen in one of them that might necessitate a Marvel movie, like MCU character showing up, we'll see what happens. And what
0: what I, I really love about this, we have to talk about the elephant in the room, is we have uh, the reappearance of Andrew Garfield and uh, Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. And not only was this great in the fact that it – was a great bit of fan service, but it was also a redemption arc for both the spider man who, you know, in Andrew Garfield's case, not wildly received movies. And in uh, Toby's case, a really disappointing third act. So they sort of be able to came back and be those characters again. And Tobey Maguire, it felt like he, him slipping back in the role was like watching him slip on a, a pair of comfortable shoes because he was there again. And, we're already in deep in spoiled territory, but there's a moment where Tom Holland's Peter is trying is going to try to go for the kill for Green Goblin. Mm-hmm. He picks up the glider over his head, is about to try to impale Green Goblin, and Toby's Peter jumps in and just stops it. And the look he gives Toby was just volumes in that look. It oh, wasn't yeah. it wasn't disappointment. It was basically just a, it was a statement of no, we don't do this. We're Spider Man.
1: Yeah. Well, you're not, not even in the film making process, like you said, redemption. But in terms of their story, like Peter, uh, like sorry, Maguire's Peter has that you know redemption where he stops Holland's Peter from you know dry, driving a, the glider through Defoe. Because another spoiler, folks, uh, Aunt May doesn't survive the movie, and we finally get in no ambiguous way shape or form with great power comes great responsibility making it's not the uncle ben
2: moment now now it's the uncle ben or aunt may moment no, it's which, still the uncle ben moment just because in the what do you call it, marvel zombies peter brings up that uncle ben told him with great power with great responsibility when may is dying her only thoughts are i can't help peter Like, you gotta think of what what a mother would be thinking when they're dying and they're leaving their child behind Peter is in a bad state she's dying Peter has all this fucking power she just told him to try and save the Green Goblin not to kill him she's so fucking worried about him and her last thoughts are from the other man she loves her husband so she reminds him of what Ben told him that with great power comes great responsibility
1: i know it co- originally comes from ben but they've never established for a fact whether or not uncle ben for all we know aunt may is just aunt may and she
2: never married that's that's what i mean when i Dread say just uncle said they ben. did
0: establish that in marvel
2: zombies they've established that in both movies as well I in the first movie's In the first movie, they actually cut out a scene, like when Peter is going to go to the prom or whatever, to the homecoming dance. May, like, if you have the DVDs, you can watch it. May makes like shows him a bunch of old suits of Uncle Ben, like pick one. You can wear this, and they cut that out. In the second in the second movie, when he's packing up and he's getting and he's leaving, he shuts his suitcase. And inscribed on the suitcase are the, are the initials BP. Well,
0: fine. And also, yet there, if you if you rewatch the scene where you have the three of them meeting for the first time, there is gravitas when when uh, Andrew Garfield's and Toby's, uh, Sp- uh, you know, Peter's mention Uncle Ben. There's there's gravitas there that basically... They aren't talking about a stranger to him.
1: There is that, but... I'm not saying Uncle Ben didn't exist in this. It's just, I don't think it's... You know, he died, but I don't think it's like, you know, Uncle Ben died, and that's when Peter, you know, put on the mask. Like They kind of hinted that in Civil War, when Tony goes to his apartment, but I just don't think that really... Like, Uncle Ben existed, sure, I just don't think he was that pivotal pivotal character that he's been in like every other continuity. But that
2: means being... I like I said it's not like it's one of the things that pissed me off about people reviewing this movie is everybody's so mad that Aunt May stole the line. Aunt May did not steal the line. Aunt May is reminding him
0: she's reinforcing it. And that's the one thing that if you if you ever read anything else that has Aunt May in talking about, you know, finding out Peter secret and talking about it in any continuity. Um, uh, one of the rare brilliant moments is by, I believe it was Brian Michael Bendis in, in the uh, Spider-Man uh, series where 616 Peter goes into the ultimate universe. You know, 616 Peter says that to ultimate Aunt May, and she instantly knew the line. And she instantly knew, this is Peter Parker. She instantly was like, I I have him back. Wow, it's got a little dust in here.
2: The thing is, people like to forget that Marissa Tomei is an Oscar-winning actress. And her performance while she's dying is that of a mother who's leaving her child behind. And she can't. That's all. Like she's worried about him. Like that's her only thoughts is Peter when she's dying. And that's why she reminds him. Like don't she doesn't actually say don't go take revenge, but that's what she means when she re- reinforces with great power comes great responsibility. See, I,
1: I that's the way I see it, and that's moving on. It's just the relationships in this movie, I think are the strongest part of this. And that's why I heard a lot of people bitching in the theater where Peter sacrifices his life of a sort to, you know, fix the multiverse. And I was like, I don't understand why I did that. And it's like, well, Spider-Man doesn't exist now. And it's like, no, Spider-Man still exists. And I've seen this online too. A lot of people misunderstood like what happened when strange cast the spell properly. It's, Peter still exists. It's just nobody remembers him. It's basically what they did in the comic books where they tried to, I'm not saying they succeeded, but they tried to fix, you know, the one more day thing with the one moment in time. And you see what they did to fix uh, in the comics after he made his deal with Mephisto and how, doctor strange iron man and mr fantastic came together this is what peter knows happened because he doesn't remember mephisto at all It's kind of based on that so they made the world forget that peter parker is spider-man spider-man still exists peter still exists what they did in the movie though is they just peter isn't remembered spider-man's still there but no one remembers who spider-man is like Mysterio revealed his identity, but nobody remembers for some reason. And through that, we get, you know, classic red and blue Spidey. He's, like I said, the the old Parker luck running true to form. He's got a crappy apartment. He's got a struggle to make rent. He's trying to get his GED. He sews up his own suit and goes out and continues being, you know, the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And I didn't realize this until watching this movie throughout the trilogy and never mind how much like the second movie was just like you know the epilogue of the Infinity Saga, and it's more he's just dealing with the aftermath of all this Avengers bullshit. Is how much technology was a crutch for Peter through the first through all these movies, like you know he get he gets the new suit in Homecoming or Civil War, and then Homecoming and then the Iron Spider and all that bullshit in the second movie with Edith. And now, like, it's Peter. Like, he's got to struggle to get the components to make his web fluid. He's got to, you know, sew a thermal layer into his costume. He's got to wash his stuff. I mean, do you think he had any of these problems before? No, like, he, he had it too good through these first few movies. So, you know, if they don't, because uh, there's also the rumor the next trilogy is going to be Miles Morales, which I wouldn't mind seeing that. If they do do another Peter trilogy... I want to see what you know how. How they execute well, you know classic Peter like that.
2: It is in the, a Peter trilogy. The next one, it's him going to college. It's already been announced. Long time ago. I don't know why people think it's Miles Morales. They probably want it to be, but unfortunately, outside of the Spider Verse movies, Spider Verse movies, Miles Morales is boring. Yeah, he... and he's he's a he's a really bad clone of peter with black makeup on and it's i've said this before i've said it again he is a token character yep and he's it's bad he's a bad token character he, he doesn't there doesn't need to be a miles morales
0: it's verse sort of made it to where he became his own character where he had his own quirks his own thinks his own insecurities and now again it's like there's so many great scenes in this movie like the scene where you have the three Spider-Man meeting for the first time was just like I don't know what like, what Toby was doing but he like that heartbroken look on his face was just
2: that's Toby McGuire's fucking face He always looks like you killed a puppy in front of him.
0: Jesus Christ. Give him some fucking credit, Red. (laughs) A little bit.
2: But that's just his face. Oh, like There's like that in the first Spider-Man movies. It's like that in his other movies. It's It's almost like off camera. Somebody's like strangling a fucking puppy in front of him.
1: There is that... That's one of the thing I loved, like when uh, Ned. I love how Ned doesn't recognize that he's got the sling ring on until he's at his grandma's place, and he starts doing, you know, casting. I want to find Peter, and they find, uh, you know, Garfield. And I just love how he's like jogging to the portal, and he's just like doing that little hill tilt down that wave. And I was like, that—that's something I think is holy, you know, from his performance. I loved his performance as Peter. I love his work as Peter here. Like He still has that energy, that kind of snap. They gave him the hair back, which was kind of weird. And just, just the look that the go back and forth, which I thought was kind of forced. I mean, it was funny, but it wasn't necessary to have MJ throwing the buns at him. And when grandma <laughs> Leeds comes in and says, uh, would you mind getting the cup? Oh, sure, sure. And then finally, like, she's still ready to throw another bun at him. It's like, bitch, he was hanging from the ceiling by his fingertips. Name me one other person that can do that besides Peter. Well, I'll
0: wait. The other thing that I thought was really interesting was she distrusted Andrew Garfield, but but Toby's Peter coming through without a costume on, she
1: knew. She's like, you're Peter Parker. Yeah, because she just met another one, so she's probably just taking it on face at this point.
2: Oh, he also shot fucking webs
0: in Andrew Garfield. Yeah, yeah, he he won that exchange.
2: And I love how
1: something like you didn't really notice from like Tobey Maguire, like they all kind of had like sin like the little mannerisms, like how Peter sometimes can't keep his mouth closed or he just goes rambles on and on. Like they all have different variations of that in the three different Spider-Man performances, and then the whole. Back and forth in the lab, which I know it's like tech. Uh, it, it's was it a regular high school or is he going to like some sort of technically advanced high school? Who Peter? Uh, like Holland?
0: He, he, that he, their high school is just a regular high school, which kind of was the point because I love the I love the scene of the three of them getting to the lab and they're because you get to see all three of them use their their science credentials because. And each one does it differently. You have uh, Tom Holland's Peter just as himself. You have uh, Andrew Garfield put on a lab coat. You have Toby dressed as, what is it, a a uh, youth Christian minister. Youth <laughs> pastor. Yeah. And, <laughs> and...
2: I, uh, Go ahead. I, what I liked about the most was they all had different fields of science. Because Tom Holland's Spider-Man is more technical because he's like the, the successor of Tony Stark. So he grabs all the equipment, he's like, I think I can come up with something that'll cure fucking Sandman and and Electra. And then Then Andrew Garfield's like, Oh yeah, I cured fucking
0: Lizard before the lizard
2: the lizard already. I got that. And then Toby's like, Well, I've been thinking of a cure for fucking Norman for years. Yeah. Which is the one of the first
1: things, I didn't notice it right away, but I noticed that when he says that, he's like, yeah, this is kind of like Toby. this is him being Spider-Man for like 20 years, and this is a few years down the line from Garfield's thing, so, and I'm not saying it strained my sense of disbelief, but I mean, it's just, it's Spider-Man, so of course he can build something like this in a cave with a box of scraps, you know, going back to the whole Iron Man thing, because... I thought it was kind of forced to just, yeah, Happy just happens to have this uh, Stark 3D printer thing in his apartment, because how else were they going to do half this shit? And it just happens to have, like, a Mark II version of the Vibranium arc reactor from Iron Man 2.
0: Oh. I was like... Let's talk about the arc reactor, because there's a minor thing that some people missed. When everyone got sent back to their own dimensions, Otto still has it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But he's got that super reinforced inhibitor chip.
0: Yeah, but my, my point is, Otto still has the arc reactor in his hand. So mm-hmm. Otto gets to go back to the Raimi-verse with what he was working on the whole time.
1: Cheap, affordable fusion. We'll see what happens. If, maybe we'll get something in the future. See just a quick peek what happened there,
0: which is nice I, because I, he gets he gets a reward
2: for for doing the right thing at the end. Go ahead, Red. The thing the thing that bothered me about their universes is the kind of hint that the Spider-Man adventures stop as soon as the movies stop. I hated that too. Like you didn't fight Craven the Hunter. You didn't you didn't have any adventures with any of the villains with like the spot or fucking yeah the like you didn't even have your own version of spot red like you didn't even have your own version of the rhino no hobgoblin black cat nothing
0: yeah and, and that would have been great because they mentioned they just mentioned the alien suit and if if toby's peter said said i father i thought a crazy russian guy that wore that wore a lion suit once or something like that or because that was
2: That's the crazy Hall, a Russian guy tried to fucking hunt me because he thought I was the <laughs> ultimate prize. Yeah, like, that, that,
1: that was Garfield that said that. No, it, like when you, I, I think you missed some there. It's just like when they're talking about the relationships and doing what we do with Holland or with, with Garfield. He says, you know, eventually found a way to make it work. And I took that to mean that he's still Spider-Man. It's just maybe not as much anymore. But I think he still had adventures after that. And Garfield, for sure, still thing like he talks about how, you know, eventually he stopped pulling his punches and he's still in the suit like he's still doing it. It's just, you know, he had I... to have he went down this dark path after Gwen. I think that's where it started for him. And then he had, like I said, with Toby having the redemption and stopping uh, Holland from killing Norman, he has his redemption where he saves MJ from going kersplat on Liberty Island like that that that's his redemption because you know he
2: failed to save the woman that he loved in his own universe and going that's, on from there it's one of the things that to me a lot of people didn't appreciate about tom holland's spider-man version because he does point out like, like i went to a dark place after fucking gwen died like i don't want to see you do that people are like oh he he's acting different he's acting weird it's because he went fucking crazy <laughs> he's he's trying to keep it together. That's the whole fu- that's his performance in Spider Man as Spider Man in this version. He has no self esteem because he thinks he fucking failed Gwen. He's like as he said as he pointed out, he stopped pulling his punches, he stopped caring. Like he's unhinged. That's his performance as Spider Man. That's why he's jumping around and he's all energetic and shit, is because he's doing his best to keep it together. And you kind of see him mellow the fuck out when he saves MJ. Yeah.
0: You also get a sense that uh, just even talking to other Peters and getting a sense of where they are sort of gives him hope. Like maybe I can get to this point too, when he sees Toby's Peter, he's like, because when, because that's the other thing that uh, like pretty much, pretty much most of the things that have the three of them together is up there. Not not as up there as anytime Willem Dafoe's in there. And that's something else I want to mention is there's this great action set piece where you have uh, Holland's peter fighting Green Goblin. And it's not a CGI uh you know a CGI festival. It is the two of them fighting in Happy's apartment building and it's all done like with 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 practical effects. But you could feel the gravitas and the, and the weight and the hits because then you remember that Norman is still on the Goblin Formula, which I, I almost caused, called the Oz Formula, but I don't think the Ultimate Comics were out at that point yet. And, and like they were fucking like every downward blow destroyed the floor.
1: Oh, yeah, where he body slammed him through like three levels like that. That was awesome. <laughs> Yeah, and like I said,
0: that I like the fact that that was one of the big action set pieces, not not just a computer rendering CGI. It was these two guys fucking brawling, and it had to be done like eighty-five percent with practical effects, and I love that yeah. because. He, and, and, go ahead. No, you go finish, please. And that added the weight to the to the story and the characters because now you now you see this. Now you get a sense that it's not just Norman Osborn wearing a suit with with a glider. It's Norman Osborn, the green fucking goblin, and he can easily match Spider-Man in strength. And he just fucking tore him through a fucking apartment building with his hands.
2: I like how they gave Green Goblin his moments because there's that fight, and then there's when he appears at the... At the Statue of Liberty, like they, they stopped all the other villains, and all of a sudden you hear the laugh, <laughs> and, and Spider-Man come out to play, <laughs> and yeah. it's, it's showing the audience that this isn't just some random fucking villain. This is the Green Goblin. This is Spider-Man's ultimate fucking foe.
1: Yeah, capital G Green, capital G Goblin, but with the apartment broke and moreover pretty much all of like the <coughs> goblin scenes where he's physically interacting with spider-man like that it's something that, yeah they threw punches in the first raimi movie but it never really seemed like you know it's two guys punching each other it's like this gave us a sense of their strength and their physical um, uh stamina
0: I wouldn't like, say it, that. Like in
1: the Ben, can I finish please?
0: Yes, no, she can. Yes, she can. I'll explain. Thank you. I
1: I think this gave us a very good look at their like their strength and their stamina like this because you see like they're going all out and they're landing these hellacious hiss and they're they're getting messed up. But I mean it's something about you know the way uh Defoe grabbed him by the legs, slammed him down, he picks him, and like I said, he. Body slammed him through like four levels of this building, and they just keep fighting their way down. And just the way the choreography worked, because I mean, they both come from, you know, I forget if Defoe actually has a background in dance or it's just something he picked up over his career. But Tom Holland's got that background from, you know, like gymnastics and everything growing up as you know as he started his career. And it's it was almost like a dance in certain parts, but it just had this physicality to it, like just this this oomph that I think was missing from a lot of the Spider-Man Goblin scenes in the first Raimi film.
0: Well, you were—I was going to say that uh, in the in the final showdown in the Raimi film, you actually get a great yeah. sense of the physicality when they're fighting in the in the uh, destroyed church because, like, there are several times when stray punches just completely obliterate brick walls in that fight in the Raimi film.
1: Yeah, I just like I said, this I I. Thought this showed that a lot better than that than the first film. And one argument I have seen everyone says, well, the movie kind of sucks because there's too many villains. I think this is the first film, in my opinion, that and going back to a gag from our own history in this show, Too Many Cooks, uh this is the first time Too Many Villains worked out fairly well. I mean you know, we had the Lizard, we had Sandman, they they both have a couple of little scenes, but Electro had more to do than them, but I mean a lot of the heavy lifting was done by Alfred Molina and Willem Dafoe, as well it should, not to poo-poo on the other actors' abilities, but let's face well, it sorry, you go red?
2: Well you are saying? Sorry, I didn't
1: want to I was to just to say, you. like, thank you Uh, like, Risa Fons is a great actor but you know, aside from him just kind of being like Spider-Man's Hulk for lack of a better term. And, you know, even Electro is talking shit about him trying to turn everyone in the city into lizards. You know, there wasn't a lot for him to do. And Sandman. Yeah. Aside from him getting pissed at uh, Holland after he zaps Electro away, he really doesn't <clears throat> do much than show up and menace in the background for the rest of the movie.
2: Well, Go ahead, I was When I was talking to Ben before, I I said that was one of my major complaints about the movie. Isn't that there's too many villains? It's that actually, we didn't get enough. I'm not talking about more fucking villains. I'm talking about more moments. If I were to write this movie, I would have reduced Tom Holland and Andrew Garfield's cameos to instead of half the fucking movie, they would have been in a tenth of the movie and more moments with Doc Ock and fucking especially with the Green Goblin because as I said before the Green Goblin is Spider-Man's ultimate villain and this is Tom Holland's Spider-Man first encounter with him and who knows there might be a Norman Osborn in his world just waiting to become the Green Goblin like It's one of the points that I brought up with Ben before as well, offline, that Stark Industries is in a bad place at the moment. Tomi Stark's dead. Pepper Potts is trying to do her best to take care of it. But she's been living out in the woods and shit, so maybe she's not taking care of it. And Happy's doing everything, and he's being investigated. So Stark might fall, and it might have to be saved by an investor. A certain scientist if it will somebody's, somebody's is, a certain <laughs> somebody's, somebody's certainly a okay bit of let, a scientist himself. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. Okay. Uh,
1: let, let me ask you guys uh, aside from the scientist line what was your what was a the callback they made here that you guys like stands out for you that's like your favorite I
0: love the moment when Toby unmasked and talks to, uh, talks to Doc Ock again and Doc Ock there's a genuine warmness to in his voice. He's like, "It's good to see you, dear boy," and and he's like, "How are you? Have you been?" And he, Toby he just says, "Trying to do better," which calls back to that line from the uh, Spider-Man Two of, "We have to be better. We have to do better," well, and and just just well, the warmness in that in that voice. Yes,
2: Fred. In Spider-Man Two, they have a discussion where. Because they're so intelligent, because Peter and Doc are so intelligent, it's their responsibility to do better. Yes. To make the world a better place. Yes. And that's what the callback is. It's like a subtle callback, and I like it too, but that's not my favorite line.
0: Oh, then what is your favorite, Greg?
2: My favorite is when they're all three of them first meet, and they're on the roof, and Toby Maguire again says... My Uncle Ben died. I hunted down the man who killed him. And I wanted to kill him. And I got my I got what I wanted. That didn't fix the fucking problem. Like to me that's Spider-Man. Yeah. If Spider Man ever killed his the fucking guy who killed Uncle Ben, which in every other continuity except for the movie He didn't. If he ever did, he would not be satisfied. It 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 would hurt him. It would would be a guilt on his conscience. Because that's him being irresponsible with his powers. I mean, I was kind of
1: hoping with Molina coming back, there would have been a moment where he does the Peter Parker, brilliant, but lazy. Because that's my favorite that moment at the end of spider-man 2 where he kind of comes back to himself before he tells the arms to listen fuck to off movie. and listen to me yeah
0: like,
1: that little moment of humanity that you know, Otto is back in control and honestly it's like you've been like that moment where they reconnect on the statue of liberty and you know trying to do better that's honestly my favorite callback because everyone loves you know i'm something of a scientist myself because that is the fucking line <laughs> One thing I
0: want to note is we have not talked at all about the first third of the movie other than Daredevil's appearance and vague mention of the spell. Um,
1: Flash Thompson is an absolute putz, and I will
2: take no comments (laughs) on that. Uh, The the thing that cracked me up, like fucking made me laugh out loud, was the first three minutes of the movie where Spider-Man's in that crowd... And he's going to grab MJ and that chick's like, Spider-Man hit me. And he jumps away and there's a guy who fucking leaps over a car to try to grab him yep. I just, and fucking lands on his face. I just laughed my fucking ass off.
1: Oh, you and me both, man. <laughs> Cause I was like, what did you think was going to happen, sir? But I was like, I kind of like the dude, 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 dude. And then Peter's like, Oh shit, MJ. <laughs> And the
0: other thing that I want to mention is I just kind of think that there's a weird uh, funniness about the whole thing with the spell because at first Peter is, you know, Peter, they, they frame it to where Peter's not being entirely selfish about getting his life back. He's doing it more to help Ned and MJ than himself because he feels bad about them more than him um, because he's like, I can deal with it. I, I have, I can, you know, start has a grant for me somehow kind of sort of maybe but but he's trying he's doing going to spell and i also like the fact that dr strange is like well you you didn't call him back yeah you didn't call him back because he's basically telling them telling peter that that's a thing if you don't you you could actually plead your case with the admission board that is a thing because you talk to him like yes
2: The letter isn't the, end, isn't the end. The letter is just telling them, from what the information we got, we're not accepting it. Yeah. yeah. But you can talk to us. Like, yeah. there's nothing wrong with <laughs> that. And,
0: and, and I, I love that the fact that uh, Dr. Strange, who obviously went to medical school, obviously, you know, had, went, was in academia for quite some time. is like, well, doesn't every, everybody know? You
1: can just, like, if you don't get admitted, you can just call them? Yeah. See, that's <laughs> what... Uh, I don't even think it's the fact that you know Doctor Strange went to medical school and it's all that. It's just that's the responsible thing to do, that's the adult thing to do, and that's why he has that supreme annoyed look in his face and the next thing we know is the door slamming in Peter's face. Yeah. Because that's sure happened. Yeah. What happen. yeah. <laughs> but but that to go back, like you said, about him uh at, like the technology being in a crutch, like something that I didn't notice again to watching this movie is how irresponsible peter has been like he's he has these brief shining moments of responsibility but he hasn't learned you know with great power he hasn't learned that till this film which is you know he's trying to take responsibility for his actions but he goes about it the completely wrong way you know like with the spell like he can't just can't like dude you fucked up live your life I think that's also part of the thing with Dr. Strange, like when he gets annoyed that Peter never even tried calling to plead his case or plead MJ and Ned's case uh, was just like, you, you know, literally strange. It's like, you fucking idiot. And well, when they all get their letters, I was like, by this point in the film, because, you know, it's like a couple, I think at least three months later, something like that. Would certainly explain how uh, Jonah went from green screening in his apartment to having, you know, the O'Reilly factor for F- fact, the fact news channel or the Daily Bugle.net is why would Peter get this thing at all? Like he's dodged any sort of serious criminal charges for everything, but you know, court of public opinion, like Daredevil said, like MIT they should have just sent it sent his application on fire and then mailed him back his ashes like why would you even get the rejection letter and I <coughs> there, are, there are certain rules about the about higher transporting
0: higher educa- higher uh, forms yeah. of education where you, if part? someone if someone does send in a uh, send in a request for admission that they have to send a response back or else yeah, they could I, lose I their, their federal I'm funding
2: it's facetious right uh, sorry ben but it's also a test. Like, this is something people do on jobs. Like, people will... Somebody will put in your application and just leave it. Not, never call you again. On, like... Let's say an example is my old job. We had a stack of applications. People applied. Never hired them. People we would hire... For the people who would call and ask, did you have a look at my application? What do you think? And then, uh, we're not really looking for anybody. I mean, we'll call you when we can. They call a week later. Did you have a look at my application? I really could use a job. Like, they want the fucking job. If somebody proves they want the fucking job, okay, we'll give you a shot. And that's how what that's what colleges do, too. Yeah, like you put in your application, they reject you, and they want to see if you really want in the fucking college.
1: Which I kind of expected that Peter wasn't going to get into MIT, but I kind of hoped that Ned and MJ might. But I wasn't all. It, it still hurt though when they all got the you know due to um due to current circumstances. It's like look, we know you're friends with a war criminal, which again going back to homecoming. They brought back Hannibal Burris, and he's still that asshole Fox News-loving high school coach. He's like, it's probably a fucking war criminal. Should be in fucking jail right now. And it's like, the kid's standing right in front of you like, he doesn't give a fuck. And then you have that other teacher who, that dude is a, he's stalking somebody. He has to be stalking somebody. Probably stalking Peter because he saw the fucking shrine he built. Also, I don't think administrators would be so welcoming Peter back. At the very least, they should have pulled him aside and had a very frank conversation. It was like, look, you know, we can't in good conscience allow you to continue coming here. The danger you represent, whatever reason they might come up with. Yeah, that's illegal as fuck.
0: That's illegal as fuck. Uh,
1: Yeah, in the real world, we're talking about the Marvel Universe, where uh, Tony Stark can build a weaponized drone satellite and... Stark Industries isn't immediately put out of business yeah it's kind of funny
0: how that almost looks exactly like uh, Project Insight from Captain America Winter Soldier
1: my point exactly it's a comic book movie universe so they should have at least had a conversation not these three guys in a hallway talking to Peter and two of them are clearly in
2: fucking love with him and the other guy couldn't give less of a shit like, they should have used Matt Murdock for that scene, in my opinion. Like, had him come to school with Peter and, like, legally, you can't you can't let him go.
0: Yeah, you can't deny he him an education.
2: can't yeah. deny him an education. He hasn't done anything wrong. It's just public opinion at the moment. And I'm sorry, no matter what the public opinion is, you can't just fucking let a student go because of that. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, and also, like, in... People, like I said before, Flash Thompson, like, I even in the original comics, like, I like the idea of Flash Thompson. You have this bully character, you know, the evolution of how he and Peter became friends years later, that the way they did Flash in the Garfield films was not perfect, but, you know, I was like, okay with that, but I'm sorry. Ned should have torn out, turned around and knocked Flash the fuck out as soon as he started hawking that dumbass book in front of the school like that. Like, it fucking irritates. And then he shows up. so First of all, you're mangling the Beastie Boys, sir. That's that's another strike against you. And thinking that you're friends with him, and then that whole thing where Holland has to like promise to swing him to school for like a couple of weeks. Like, I'm sorry, I have never liked Flash Thompson less than in this movie. And that's saying something considering I hated him in the first one. But I don't. What did you guys think of? flash in the trilogy he didn't really
0: evolve he, he basically is like this uh, bully character that is a big spider-man fan he is he is a caricature of what he was in the original comics way 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 back in the day he that's that's what he is and that's what he and that's how he started that's how he ended there's not much else to think about that,
1: that, that that's a fact ben but i asked what like so you didn't like him. Yeah. Well, he wasn't
0: likable by design. So if it, if I didn't like him, that means this is accomplished by the, by the filmmaker.
1: Red.
2: Josh Thompson has always been a bully to Peter Parker in the comics. It's established that he came from an abusive abusive ho- household. And because he saw Peter as weak, the way his parents saw him, he picked on Peter like shit running downhill. Like, My parents pick on me, so I'm picking on you, kind of thing. Yeah. This version of Flash is just a spoiled fucking brat. There's nothing – like, I'm sorry. In the future, there's no story that's going to ever make me connect with the character and go, oh, I understand your problem. You were having – like, you were having trouble, and you took it out on Peter. I'm sorry. I can understand that. There's nothing – forgivable about him. He's just a fucking asshole. He's the equivalent of a modern-day bully like uh what a lot of kids have to put up with with these days like bullies that are on the computer. Except this bully instead of the computer has the balls to fucking in insult person. him as dude in person as well. I I instantly hated him the moment he fucking was at that party and he was like, "Oh, on the intercom. Oh, hey, it's Penis Parker, everybody." Yeah. Boop, 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 boop. Yeah, I don't know if that annoyed
1: me or doing the the horn like that. You know, sadly, I kind of also didn't like Ned in this movie. Like, I like Ned, uh, this version of Ned Leeds by Jacob Batalon. I keep wanting to call him Genki because it's, they're basically, they're calling him Ned Leeds, but he's so very much Genki from the Miles Morales <laughs> comics. <laughs> what
2: am I here? Like, speaking of him, one of the most awkward lines is, I promise I won't become a supervillain and try to kill you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, really? Don't, don't so, make or promises you can't keep
2: there, bud. So you're just going to fake your deaths and frame two people that say that they're the fucking Hobgoblin that when you're not the Hobgoblin and then finally be exposed after years?
0: And then you get killed and then the Peter and Wolverine tracked his killers down in Berlin?
1: Yeah. So I forget was husband. Yes. For some reason, uh, I I was misremembering Ned in the comics being Betty's brother, not her husband. That's a different character altogether. I was thinking about uh, the also the uh, like yeah wasn't even the blonde girl that does like the news thing. That, that's from, supposed uh, that's supposed to be her that's supposed
0: to be that was okay because they did but the whole thing where they were date quote dating in uh
1: far from home yeah for for what that week they were in europe yes yeah there were some other things like uh i was kind of hoping maybe we'd get like at least off camera like an off-handed reference to jonah yelling at robbie you know uh that's another character. Uh, I can't remember the actor's name that played Robbie in the Raimi movies. That would have been cool if he shows up and he's like a producer uh, with the the Daily Bugle dot net.
0: Are you sure that actor isn't dead? That he was pretty old in the Raimi movies, and that was twenty years ago. Well, then I
1: am going to look that up right now I don't, because I don't, think I, want... he's,
2: I don't think he's dead because J.K. Williams is older than him.
1: Yeah, but he's fucking ripped. Yeah. I remember seeing that one shot of him working out the gym when he's getting ready to play like his five minutes in the Justice League movie, and he's looking like, okay, why isn't J.K. Simmons playing Master Roshi? <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: like J.K. Simmons looks like he's getting ready for his role as Omni
1: Man. <laughs> okay, let's try. It. Film. There we go. Jeez, it took me. A t- uh, Bill Nunn's the actor that played Robbie in the Ramy movies, and wow, you're right, red He sadly passed away in 2016.
2: Damn. What? Yeah. Okay. Sounds like he died young. Uh,
1: 53 to 2016, so 60-some. It's
2: not That's young, the- but it's a little early.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, my dad was born in '54 and he passed away in uh, 2007. So, when it's your time, it's your time. Doesn't mean mm-hmm. it sucks any less. But as as other things that I really wanted to see in this week, and, and again, it's some we could have had brought in from other universes. Like, yeah, I at the very least you could have just uh, have a th- second mid credit scene and. Because it's long been rumored, like, who bought Avengers Tower? Like, we, like I said before, we got <coughs> Wilson Fisk, Vincent D'Onofrio is firmly in the MCU now with the last week's episode of Hawkeye. So maybe that's going to become Fisk Tower. Uh, I would have loved it if they had, like, some news report as Peter's swinging away at the end of the film, you hear, you hear know, the sale of Avengers Tower has gone to up-and-coming company Oscorp, something like that. I know what. What's something from the other two movies that you wish that didn't get a callback that maybe you thought might have would have been welcome in these movies?
0: I think they did enough of the callbacks, honestly. I think they did just enough. I think if they try to do any more, it would become way too heavy with the fan service. It'd become less of a Tom Holland's Spidey story and more of a uh, magical mystery tour of the previous Spider-Man's.
2: It's one
1: thing, Ben. It's not going to ruin the whole thing if you pick something. But if that's how you feel, that's how you feel. That is how I feel, yes. All
2: right.
1: How about you, Red? One thing I want? If there was something that from the Raimi or the Mark Webb, like amazing, or those movies, like what's a callback you would have liked to have seen from those, maybe?
2: not really much they did a lot of callbacks like yeah. there's exactly. nothing maybe because they even call back to Amazing Spider-Man 2 it's subtle if you're not looking the next time you watch it you'll see it as I'll point it out to you when Ned Ned asks uh, Toby McGuire, do you have a best friend? And he's like yeah I did. He died. He died. My arms. And you look in the background, and you see that Andrew Garfield Spider-Man is listening in on the conversation, and he reacts to it because the same thing happened to him.
1: Yeah, I, I did see that actually. Almost winces. Now. I mean, going forward, you know, with the you know another Holland trilogy, I would definitely like to see c- kind of borrow a page from the Fox Spider-Man series. Is if they do eventually bring in Norman Osborn and the Green Goblin, I and I think this would work with where I think they're going. Bring if, back
2: the neogenic
1: recombinator. No, I <laughs> not you know, I am not no, bringing I that. Know no, because we bring that back, then they create their own version of "I must suck plasma." plasma with this octopus plasma. suckers, because all bats have octopus suckers. No, I, I, I always loved in the uh, Fox series how it was Hobgoblin first and then Green Goblin. So I think that would be a really cool way to bring in a classic Spider-Man villain we haven't seen on screen before. Uh, subtly introduce uh, Norman Osborn. Like, you know, have him be the evil guy in the chair, if you will, and, you know, kind of build up to that if you're going to bring in some other classic Spidey villains. In it. And I've always loved the Hobgoblin, you know, the Goblin villains in general, uh, maybe not some, a lot of the newer ones, but definitely the original two. And then, yeah, do something like that. So, I mean, how about you guys? What's like a classic Spidey villain that maybe you'd like to see in the next trilogy, maybe, potentially?
2: Scorpion.
0: Scorpion's a definite must. I would like to see someone attempt to do something with the Rhino, which isn't... uh,
2: Isn't a giant fucking dumb Mecha machine?
0: Yeah, with with Paul Giovanni, one of the greatest uh, dramatic actors of of our time, being forced to play a scummy Russian guy in a Mecha suit.
1: I'm sorry, Ben. He was not forced to do anything there. You could tell from his performance he was having a hell of a time.
0: The guy fucking played John Adams, and he fucking nailed it. Yes, he
1: did. And he's an incredible actor. But look at his
2: performance. He was having all the fun. See, the movie already hinted at two villains that I want to see. Uh, When Doctor Strange is like trying to hold back the universe, and you see those cracks in the sky, you can actually see people in those cracks.
1: the, The vague
2: outlines of energy and such. Yeah, and two people I spotted are Craven the Hunter and Black Cat. Well, there you go. Craven the Hunter, like when Craven (coughs) the Hunter appears, the person, somebody in the audience goes, "Oh, look, it's a celestial watching them," and I'm like, "No, that's Craven the Hunter. He's holding a fucking spear, and you can tell by his big poofy fucking collar, it's Craven the Hunter." And then Black Cat. The other thing is, oh, it's Spider-Gwen, it's Spider-Woman, Spider-Gwen. I'm like, nope, has long hair. She has like a Spider-Man pose, but she has very long fucking hair, and you can clearly see her claws. It's fucking Black Cat.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I didn't catch the Black Cat. I did thought that that was probably Kraven, and they are supposed to be making that Aaron Taylor Johnson uh, Kraven movie which just might be an insane roundabout way for them to use the other Quicksilver in an MCU based film or property. Yeah, definitely Hobgoblin. Uh, I'd like to see if they could do something with the Prowler that, that, that might be an interesting, uh, you know, have, have the Prowler show up and Spider-Man's blame for his crimes. So Peter's got to deal with Hobie Brown like that. Well,
0: let me let me put, preface this with i am a big fan of hobie brown the prowler i love the fact that him and uh peter like have very similar backgrounds where they're both the nerdy kids they both did like garage science building their gadgets and i generally think these are two characters that would get along together and we briefly saw one of the brief and uh, in tiny little spots of the sunshine and in that awful Spider-Man as a corporate uh, CEO run was him and Hopi Brown working together. Um, but I don't think that would work as a movie villain.
2: I just okay. want to see, like, cameo villains as well. I don't want, like, you don't have to sacrifice the whole movie about these villains. Like, have the Beatles show up or the Boomerang. Or, or Ringer. like Frogman. Just Man. like... Yeah, just like the cheap villains that are robbing banks, and Spider-Man swings by and kicks their asses and leaves. Kind of established that, you know, Spider-Man does Spider-Man things, and he has adventures that are not on fucking movies.
0: And here are some here are some losers that show up sometimes.
1: Or you could see a front page of the Ringer, the uh, a new Shocker, and you know, like the other two guys that like the Beetle and Boomerang uh webbed up in a pile or just individual, like, headshots, you know, the sinister syndicate captured by Spider-Man, something like
2: that. Another thing that I, I would really like to show up is I can't remember the names, but there's the the big guy, the cowboy, and the fucking The
1: Enforcers.
2: The Enforcers, yes. I'd like the Enforcers to show yeah. up. Ox, Fancy Dan, and Montana. Yeah.
1: But I hope they do it like, uh, the classic version where Fancy Dan is a gangster and Montana's the gunman and Ox is the heavy and not like, I love spectacular Spider-Man, but I did not like that incarnation of uh, the enforcers where Fancy Dan is like Jackie Chan and Jet Lee on crank with his martial arts.
0: So overall, we talked a lot about that, but there's one thing I had to bring up is, is Andrew Garfield's absolute insistence that the leaked images were fake,
1: um, like well, that, that, that dude, wasn't him? That was Marvel. But but, him but, do that. but
0: but but let me explain. That was masterful how much he denied it. How no matter how how many times he's brought into a talk show and they show him the show him the pictures, he goes, "Oh no, that, that's a deep fake. Oh no, that's Photoshop." And he was so adamant, so fucking strong in, in his words about it that, like. I, I was I was doubting he was going to show up. Like like he he was legit gaslighting the internet, and I have to give him some props on that.
1: Well, I wouldn't call it gaslighting. It's that's that's the definition well, of gaslighting. It, it, no one I, takes the actual definition of gaslighting like that, Ben. They all take it as an extremely negative thing. It's just it was the advertising. It came from Marvel Carpet. Sorry, Red. I stepped on you there.
2: One of the things is like I, when we started first started the, the talk, I said I'd br- bring up something I did not like about the movie. Go ahead. I'd like to know what you guys didn't like about it, before I reveal what I didn't like.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, J.T., you start.
1: I didn't like that we didn't get, any Uncle Ben like that. That that would really bug me through the trilogy. Is like <laughs> Uncle Ben is that at the core of the Spider-Man mythos and. You know, aside from his initials on that bag that Red brought up from far from home, you know, it's a generally assumed that he's in the universe, but he's never confirmed to be in the universe. And I thought at the very fucking least, he should have we should have got like Aunt May with a picture with uh, Uncle Ben or something or have a flashback. And that bothered yeah. me like
2: then We never got that. I'm glad they didn't because the rumor was what is what is his face? Patton Oswalt was gonna be fucking oh, Uncle Ben. Jesus, God, no. Because honestly, from Peter Part- from Tobey Maguire's performance, he should have been about Uncle Ben. He he was like a father figure, like the older Spider-Man, the father figure to Tobey Maguire or not Tobey Maguire to Tom Holland in this fucking movie, and he would have been the perfect Uncle Ben because. And putting it another way, Mrs. Tome, Oscar-winning actress, Toby Maguire, Oscar-winning actor, put them in, put them, make them the fucking couple. But it's still good. It's still okay that he came back as Spider-Man. But it would have hit a lot better if he was Uncle Ben. Uh,
1: I mean, I don't think it would have worked at all. But I would have loved it so much if they did. Is if they got Joe Pesci to play Uncle Ben. Are you on crack? He's, like, fucking 20 years older than fucking... And Marvel can do the de-aging with the CGI. I will take no comments on my stance on this. Have
2: you seen The Irishman, the last movie he did? Like, he's He's almost old. dead. He's almost in his 90s. He could barely fucking move in that movie. It, it's almost like
1: no one heard me when I said I will be not taking any comments on this. Um, I, I just thought it would be kind of funny. The other thing I have to add... Okay,
0: the one thing I didn't like is the fact that we have we we have like this Peter Parker Spider Man and the first movie establishes that he's Spider Man because he's Spider Man. He doesn't need the tech. But here we see him constantly needing his Stark suits and he needs to grab a Stark suit. He needs to
2: Well it, go ahead, Red. There's a reason for that. They show you that he gets fucking splashed with green paint. Yeah. And, so that's why he's wearing a Stark suit, is because he doesn't have a choice.
0: And he turned it inside out, but he still has his he still has his welding goggles uh, hoodie somewhere.
1: Yeah, but cameras on him twenty four seven. Who's gonna not see him sneak into the school and lift up that whole bank of lockers to access his cash?
0: But the other thing I have to add is, I think it's just so so hilarious that the internet was going nuts seeing the the quote black suit. They're like, oh, that's the symbiote. The symbiote so him. Oh my goodness, it's Venom. And it's and magic tech. And and then it, it's he, he literally turned the suit inside out because it's reversible like a raincoat. It's
2: not reversible. That. The reason why it has all those like gold spider like those are supposed to be. Symbolize, like, circuits and shit. Yeah. That's literally circuits. And that's also
1: one of the things that I I absolutely, never mind the Uncle Ben, that scene fucking drove me because we did not need MJ and Ned yelling at Peter and giving him directions like, God, I wanted to strangle those two. Like, I'm sorry. I just, God.
0: I I also wish that uh, Toby said, so you call it the tingle, huh? And then someone says, well, what do you call it? Well, it's a, it's my spider sense or something like that. A little corny, but I would have liked that. Yeah. Um, you um, ca- go ahead, Rhett.
2: I was going to say what I didn't like about the movie. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. So to me, this seemed completely unnecessary. Even though it's a great scene, even though it's pivotal to the movie, Aunt May dying. Did not have to happen. Agreed. But to me, that was completely unnecessary. It's kind of like trying to do what they did in the '70s or no, in the '80s when they killed Gwen Stacy and reinforcing with great power and great responsibility. But you didn't need to do it. He's very young in his career. The movie. Movies. There's only been three movies. You didn't need to reset the fucking game. I've later learned there's a reason why they killed off Aunt May. And that's because Marissa Tomei did not want to play her anymore. She was upset that she was starting to be typecast into roles as a motherly figure. And she didn't want to play as a motherly figure. I can see that. And she was also upset that she wasn't getting enough time in movies. Like, she'd only be in there for, like, two minutes. She's getting paid, but she still wanted to be in more movies, mm-hmm. more in the movies.
0: So, final question before we wrap this up. Uh, what moment did the Irons go the most nuts for you, for you guys? Um, well, I know. So, uh, JT?
1: I'm something of a scientist myself.
0: Uh, uh, Red? I, I know yours is a little bit different, but Red?
2: Well, the audience was screaming the loudest for Andrew Garfield. <laughs> Not for Toby. They were screaming for Toby, but they weren't screaming as loud.
0: Ah. Uh, for me, yeah. it was loud for Andrew Garfield, and then it, like, doubled for Toby in my theater. But, uh... The other moment that they totally went nuts was that moment where he had the three of them jumping out of the Statue of Liberty and then landing in the spider poses on the on the uh, head of the statue. Like, they just went nuts. And then we had the scene from the trailer where the one moment Red will admit he's wrong.
1: No, the uh, landing on the statue got a pretty big pop, but I would say the second loudest pop we got in my theater was... Uh, Garfield, you know, coming through the portal, and then Garfield diving after MJ in that redemption shot. There, mm. I also heard people complaining. Of what? And this is just me uh, going out of here listening to people uh, complaining about stuff. It's like I don't understand how that wand could cured the Sandman. I was like, I wanted to say it's a mini cyclotron and just suck the radiation out of him, but I didn't want to get involved because this guy looked like he had a broomstick handle all the way up his ass well like i said
0: it's just the audience was really loud here it's like in the last year and a half two years people (laughs) forgot how to act as an audience in a theater because this audience was louder and spoke up and and drowned out the movie more than i've ever heard in any other movie i've been to in my life and I've been to lots of opening nights that were pretty big, and I've, like, I've been to the Lord of the Rings movies, I've been to the Star Wars movies, but I've never heard an audience this rambunctious to the point where they drowned out the movie this much,
1: and, go ahead. I think it's just the last year, last couple years with everything, and this is something that everybody loves Spider-Man, and they... Got this awesome Spider Man movie, and the energy was there, and well, I think that's pretty much it.
2: I've seen worse. Like I've seen audiences that drown, like you couldn't hear the fucking movie at all because people were cheering so bad, so hard. And that was when I watched Inven- Avengers: Infinity War.
0: That's odd because when I went to the theater for Avengers: Infinity War and and Endgame, other than the cheers at Avengers Assemble. Like, it was Let's put it this way: loud.
2: When Thor appeared in Wakanda, and then like the Rainbow Bridge appears, people started cheering. And as soon as you see Thor's hammer start f- swinging around, everybody just started fucking screaming so loud that the like the seats were vibrating. <laughs> Jesus, you couldn't Christ. hear you couldn't hear shit when I watched when I saw that.
0: We 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 got some claps, we got some cheers, but nowhere near that much at at the. Uh, and Infinity War, so um, maybe it's just maybe it's just the, our audiences are different. But um, I think we're going to wrap this up here. Um, Spider-Man, No Way Home. It's definitely a recommendation, but uh, it, it, there, there are some blemishes, but it's still an overall enjoyable time at the theater. Uh, this year, I'll spend...
1: JT from Saskatoon.
2: We're
1: saying goodnight. So long.
2: Peace out.